0: back to Coach and Dot. It has been so long since we've been able to do this. Um, our schedules have changed. Kyler has had a huge life development. Um, some stuff has happened. Uh, Kyler, how you been, man?
1: I've been doing good, man. But yes, a huge uh, life change for sure. And I'm now uh, a father of a little girl. And uh, she's about to be three months old here on the 16th of June. So, yeah, life-changing for sure. It's been amazing, um, but uh, definitely to categorize as life-changing is is a very well put for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so we apologize to those of you who have listened to us, who have maybe been wanting to hear us again. Um, some stuff has happened since then, I would say, uh, Kyler. Um, we've had COVID-19. Um, we've had some social unrest. I mean, a lot has happened since we last spoke, but there, there are a ton of things we could talk about, and um, we understand that, and we, um, I think I speak for Kyler a little bit here myself. Kyler, if I'm not, please jump in. Um, this podcast, although there may be uh, some political views we have, we tr- we don't want this to turn into a political podcast. There are plenty of other of those you can listen to. We really want to focus on sports. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100% agree on that.
0: So uh, we're going to talk about three things today, um, so we'll break it up into three segments. Um, and, one, I'm happy that sports are coming back. Um, the NBA is coming back. That's, like, the, the most beautiful news I've heard in weeks, um, and I'm so excited about that. Tyler, what are you excited about in sports coming back?
1: Um, you know, I'm a huge, huge baseball fan, and right now um, it has gone back and forth, of course, with baseball between the players and the owners. And it uh, depends on, you know, which side you want to take and who you believe uh, who you're listening to, I guess, from a player's perspective or the owner's perspective. Um, they are also trying to worry about, you know, if there's a second wave of COVID that hits, trying to get playoff baseball done by November, um, where the players are coming back right now from what I'm hearing and saying, hey, uh, other leagues are playing into November. Why are, why are we not? Um, they are talking about, you know, prorated salaries, and, and we had a massive amount of minor leaguers cut in the past few days that have been, you know, life-altering changes for them and their families even had some MLB players stepping up. I think David Price for the Dodgers, that's stepping up and actually trying to, you know, compensate some minor league players as they go through this difficult time. Um, I mean, minor league baseball here locally for the Durham Bulls, looks like it's not going to happen. And that's a a staple of of Durham. Um, That's not going to be happening this summer, it looks like. So, I mean, it's been hard for me as a baseball fan, you know, because I mean, especially as a Dodger fan, I mean, we trade away two huge prospects for Mookie. And (laughs) there's a chance we may not see him in a Dodgers uniform as he's a free agent. Uh, going to next year. Um, but let's, looking at some uh, Twitter today, um, some tweets from some insiders, there seems to be a positive direction. Um, does that mean it's going to happen? No, because I've been here before. If there's one league that's going to find a way to not get it done, it will be the MOB. So that, that's frustrating for me. Uh, but super excited for the NBA to get back. Looks like NHL is formulating a plan to get back. So uh, that'll be fun. But yeah, MOB doing what MOB does, making it difficult for its fans. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. So the first topic we got. Um, is the best rivalries in sports. So I want to go sport by sport. Let's go. Um, my college baseball knowledge is not vast. So let's go college football, college basketball, uh, hockey, professional hockey, professional baseball, professional basketball, and professional football. Let's start with college football. Um, what do you think is the best rivalry in that sport? And then when we've done all those, we'll pick the biggest rivalry we think out of, all of those sports combined.
1: Right. Yeah, so when it comes to uh, college football, for, for me, um, I actually had three separate ones that I wrote down, maybe go one, two, and three for me, because I do I, I, I focus a little more on college football. I definitely watch a whole lot more of that. Yeah. Um, one of them is more just a cool event to me than a Robbie. It's definitely a robber, but more of just a cool atmosphere. The first one I have, obviously, is Auburn, Alabama. Um, the Iron Bowl down there in the south. And uh, there's nothing like uh, SEC country when it comes to college football season. I mean, you've had so many incredible things. Just a couple statistics about that rivalry uh, to point out. Um, right now, Bama leads 46-37 um, in that rivalry, so Bama definitely controls it. Um, but Auburn, as a program, has not been to the, the current uh, college football playoff, so they've not had the success that Alabama has had right. um, in the past few years. So, you know, you're looking at two different, different programs as well. You know, Auburn views himself as that, that textile you know the 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 more the country school, Bama's was more the elite school in Alabama, from what I understand. I've uh, my wife's family is from down there, and that's kind of the perception. Uh, of course, you can't talk about Auburn Alabama without the kick six uh, when Saban trots out that freshman kicker for the fifty-seven yarder. He leaves it short into the house, and you know the famous call. Auburn wins the football game. Right. I mean, there's been so many incredible moments in in that. Um, and then of course, you know this year in the twenty nineteen with the forty eight forty five game, the win for Auburn. And of course, you had that big penalty where Auburn comes out there in that weird formation. Alabama, you know, commits the defensive penalty. And, Of course, Auburn takes over and they win. Um, so I mean, there's the one thing I enjoy about this rivalry is. I, and I thought about you know the Ohio State Michigan comparison. You know, they ever talk about Ohio State Michigan? Michigan doesn't win uh, in that <laughs> rivalry. So I have a hard time. I'm just being honest. Oh, uh, they, uh, yeah, yeah, they just don't win. So I have a hard time picking that one. So that's why I went off them because Auburn at least does make some noise in this robbery oh. and uh, their programs have had some incredible players to come through. I mean, I can go down the list of, of the running backs. Alabama has turned out year after year after year. And really, of course the emergence of Derrick Henry in the NFL the last few years has, you know, I, I definitely put Alabama in a different tier when it comes to NFL running backs. Um, Cause they've had some that struggle, but they've also had some that have been phenomenal. I mean, we think of recently, you know, Josh Jacobs now in Oakland, I think is a very bright future. Um, you know they 've had their, their share not really a big a big quarterback uh, team there you know they 've had their their game managers, but the one thing about Alabama, I think that is huge for them, of course, is their defense they just had some elite defensive players yeah. um, that have come through as well in um, Auburn, of course, uh, you got to talk about cam Newton uh, what a phenomenal quarterback he was in college, and I still think hopefully I enjoy watching him play has a future somewhere in the NFL and I believe someone will end up picking him up and they 'll be grateful for it. Um, I believe. I still think he's got game. I mean, he's such a competitor. Right. Um, but then, you know, you got you got Jack. I mean, there's so many guys i talk about from even Auburn as well. So both programs have a story, culture, a football culture, I think that matters a lot to me when I'm going to talk about a rivalry. Do you have the culture to surround yourself with that, that, that title of an of a elite rivalry? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're hard-pressed to say that both these programs don't have an, a tremendous culture, tremendous players to back it up, and then even a back-and-forth record that makes it interesting every year um the one the other two that i had just to mention and throw out there that i thought were kind of unique um one that i think may can be very easily forgotten is army navy um that is a phenomenal game that's played every year um we have the the cadets obviously on and around the stadium um watching this game i think it also gives a great patriotism uh to our country there we have servicemen you know on the field you know, i mean clawing for every every inch every yard you know we usually um you have army runs that, you know, that triple option. So, I mean, it's, it's fun and I've always enjoyed watching that game and it, it actually is a great rivalry, and it actually gets a huge viewership because of the military aspect of it. And then the other one I had, which was kind of, know, another interesting take. Um, and again, I'd use this as number three or number two, but it's probably actually be number two here uh, would be actually Florida state Miami. Yes. And, and uh, I, I actually really think this one's incredibly, incredibly underrated. I mean, first of all, um, Miami leads at 3430, which is very interesting. And when you talk about athletes, as I talked about the Alabama Auburn, I mean, Florida State and Miami, you're talking about rich histories of phenomenal football players. I mean, I can go down the list of guys that have just been phenomenal in, in college and even phenomenal professionally. Um, but you think of the wide rights, the wide lefts, I mean, they consistent that year after year where that, where they had the wide left, uh, kicks, Um, But since 1990, listen, this is incredible, and I think it really sells how impressive these two football programs have been. Um, Since 1990, this is one of the rankings of the team when they had the game. So in other words, it's like at least one of the two teams had this type of a ranking. From 1990, you had number nine, number two, number two, number one, number 13, number one, number three, number four, eight, one, seven, two, one, two, ten, five, ten. Um, I mean, that right there is impressive in itself. That at least one of these programs at the time was at least in the top 15, if not number one or number two, when they compete against each other. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's really right now, you know, we think, oh, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, Clemson's been in the, in the playoff forever and Alabama as well. Let's back up a little bit. Let's go to the VCS in uh, 2013. FSU was the one. Um, Auburn was the two. Michigan State was the four. Stanford's the five. Baylor the six. In 2012, Auburn, TCU, Oregon, and Stanford were the top four in the BCS. Let's look at it realistically right now, you know, eight years later. Um, Auburn's not – I mean, been in the college football playoff. TCU, I mean, not anything that's annually a great problem. They've had some good years, but not anything tremendous really recently. Oregon's kind of fallen off a little bit, and Stanford actually has really fallen off from what they used to be. So to understand, to have that kind of a ranking between one of those two teams for that long of a stretch – to me really sells how incredible that rivalry was. And, I mean, you could, you could at least guarantee at least three or four 15-yard penalties, at least one fight. I mean, that was in the heyday of Miami football. You know, Miami from the south, Florida State from the north. Miami is the private school. You know, Florida State's up in that panhandle. I mean, two differing cultures. Um, that's a very underrated robbery I think a lot of people forget about because these two programs kind of uh, faded in the last few years. Um, but, but they're, they're going to be back, man. They're going to be back.
0: So my first one, and it's a, it's a little bit of a struggle because I am going to have some Pac-12 bias. There's no question. But when I was growing up, this was the rivalry. I, oh, the game I had to watch every year, USC-Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, and yeah.
0: In those early 2000s, man, that was, that was the game. I remember the, the Bush push. You know what I'm talking about? A little Matt uh-huh. kid doing that one with six seconds left. I believe um, USC, Notre Dame. I'm going to give some quick stats. Uh, Notre Dame actually leads that series uh, 47 to 37. Um, but in those mid two thousands, like I'm talking about from 2002 to 2000 to 2009, USC did not lose. They were eight and against Notre Dame. Now lately, USC's program after Pete left, man, we fell, it fell apart. And I understand that. Um, And I think they're on their way back now. I think Brian Kelly has actually done a really good job at Notre Dame. Can't get over the hump, but he's, I think he's doing a pretty good job. I'm really excited for this rivalry to get back to the glory days. I'm excited for USC to get back to top fives every year, man. Um, This rivalry was awesome to me. I remember watching Dwayne Jarrett, Mike Williams, Matt liner, Reggie Bush, Lindell White, all these guys um go against Brady Quinn, you know who likes Brady Quinn, um, all those kind <laughs> of, like, i I really enjoyed that rivalry, my second one um, and i I like I like one of these teams more than the other for sure is Oklahoma, Texas uh-huh. I don't know what Texas did to me as a child, actually, I do know it was o six Vince Young running into the end zone um, <laughs> ever since that moment, I have Hated Texas um, and Oklahoma has been really good as of late Texas has been kind of on the rise again um, but I, I, I enjoy the Red River Red River rivalry um, not that it has anything to do with where I grew up regionally and I think a lot of rivalries have to do with your region especially in college sports yeah um, but I really enjoy uh, watching that um, I love Baker Mayfield don't ask me why um, he's a terrible pro right now but um, the last few years, since 2010, Oklahoma has won 2010, 11, 12, Texas won once, then Oklahoma, Texas won once, and then Oklahoma's won four the last five. Um, so to me, kind of like what you said in Ohio State, even though the the overall um, win-to-lose, win-to-loss ratio is a little bit closer, it's not really been a rivalry in the last 10 years. Oklahoma's right. been to the last 10, and that's kind of – that's what. It was really bold of you to say uh, Michigan Ohio State is not a rivalry, but you're right because Michigan literally—I don't think I've ever seen them win.
1: Um, it's been—it's been a long time, man. And it's—and to think, it's—if the games were actually close, I'd be like, you know, man, they're getting so close. But every year, I feel like I see the same press conference from Harbaugh. It's like, man, we get out here and we compete. It's like yeah, we're I'm getting tired of hearing that, man. I turn on the TV and your guys get whooped every year. Like this is not entertaining yeah. anymore.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And my last one, again, shout-out Pac-12. We get no love. We're a terrible conference. Is the Apple Cup, the UW Huskies versus the Washington State Cougars. Um, um, Cougars never win. It's wonderful. Um, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Washington. Shout-out all my Huskies. You guys are the best. Um, clearly, I think the best rivalry out of those is Alabama-Auburn. That's a must-watch every year. Yes must watch every year all right so that's who we're taking out of our college football rivalry Alabama Auburn let's move on to college basketball
1: um yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna, I have one that I'm gonna go with uh strictly because of being oh, local uh yeah and I got some good stuff with it man UNC <laughs> Duke. do uh, man you've got two I, I will tell you this and I I don't know what it's like in other places in the United States when it comes to robberies and what it means to them um, I've lived on the East Coast. I've lived on the West Coast. But I will tell you this: I've yet to see anything that divides a city, a state, more than this robbery right here, where people shut down everything for this one game. I, I just I don't know if it's if it is another place, maybe Auburn-Alabama, I get that. But in college basketball, at least, I mean, this robbery is incredible. The history behind it um, is just remarkable. Uh, it, it, it it probably divides churches. It divides uh, even probably even teams that play together, like a varsity basketball team. I mean, I mean UNC-Duke play locally. You're probably going to have 50% pulling for Duke, 50% pulling for Carolina. I mean, is that divided here. Yes, sir. I mean, it's, it's and that's what makes it so great. Um, now, this is coming from an NC State fan. Okay, so understand that as well. I, I loathe both of these programs, despise them, cannot stand them. But here's an NC State fan saying, not even hesitate, UNC-Duke, and it's not close um, in my opinion. um, I mean <laughs> – there's just there's just so much there. Of course, when you have the overall series, UNC leads it actually 139 to 114. Um, just some incredible games to mention that's been a part of this rivalry. In uh, 2017, uh, Duke wins by 10, and you had a 45-22 run in the second half led by Jason Tatum and Luke Kennard. Um, in 2019, that was a famous shoe game uh, yes. where Zion blows out the shoe, and then Luke May just does what Luke May did for so many years, 30 points and 15 boards. And of course, also in 2019 in March, you had the return of Zion and that famous picture of him coming out of that Duke Carolina game where he blows out a shooting. It's like, dude, I'm, 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 it's like Zion was going beast mode, man. It's like this guy is going to kill somebody. I mean, he was ready to put four guys on a poster if that's what it meant for him to win that next game. Of course, he comes out, has a great game. Duke wins that one in 2000. Uh, you had Duke uh, winning that game in overtime. Carlos Boozer down the stretch with seven points, a huge, huge game for them. That was a, a grind out game where you, I mean, everybody was dead after that one. Just such a physical game. Uh, in 2009, you had one where McCants hits a huge three, and Chris Duhan basically goes coast to coast and scores to win at the buzzer for Duke. Uh, that game actually, yeah, yeah, and that game actually actually made a a a, a, a very friendly bet with our with my math teacher. That if uh, if Duke won, I would have no homework. They were a Carolina fan, and of course, Duhan hits that lamp, and I'm like, boom, no homework, right? And so, I mean, that that was huge for me as a kid, especially. So I remember that one in 2006. They go to honor the Golden Boy of Duke, not Layner. He is the Golden Boy, but I guess Golden Boy number two, which is JJ Reddick. They honored him for a senior night. And then a freshman by the name of Tyler Hansbrough and another freshman named Danny Green decided they're going to ruin that. They beat him 83-76, and I believe Duke was the one in that game. I think Carolina was a 13. They upset him there in Cameron to honor J.J. Redick. I mean, a dream come true for a Carolina fan. Uh, and then 2012, the famous Austin Rivers shot over Zeller, who had just missed a free throw. I, and, I mean, that. that yeah, yeah, I mean, incredible. Uh, so those are just several of the things um, about Duke and Carolina that I think just – Just let us realize um, how incredible, um, oh, man, how incredible that matchup is. And, again, two different cultures, uh, two groups that absolutely hate each other. They would rather see – they don't ever pull for each other either. There is no common enemy. They are the common enemy. Um, And uh, the, the, the hate for each other, I think, just makes into a great rivalry. Uh, of course, playing in Cameron Indoor, I think, makes it such a unique feel where you have Cameron Indoor. is this loud, crazy atmosphere that's just nonstop chaos. You go into the Dean Smith Center, and I'm not trying to demean, but you don't have that same feel because the student section is not so close to the floor, and a lot of the, uh, the, the big donors from Carolina around that main lower court area there, and they call them the wine and cheese crowd. And you know, the famous Carolina thing, you'll see it in a game where, you know, all of a sudden they get on that run and everybody just stands up and start clapping like this unison kind of thing. That doesn't really happen at Cameron because it's always chaos. But it's two different cultures, uh, two cities that are such a, a close in location. I mean, it, it, you got Krzyzewski and Williams. you even got, you know, kids camping out that go to games. That's tough to beat, man. And um, I have to give props to both these schools. As much as I hate to say it, coming from a state fan, I didn't even hesitate. Caroline Duke, can you find anything better?
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm not gonna even try to bring up another one because we got to be honest. That is the rivalry. There's, there's not anyone that comes close to it. I will say the Big East had some great rivalries before they yeah. disbanded. It was it Duke Carolina, no, but I think after the Big East disbanded, that was kind of the end of real rivalries in college basketball, except for Duke Carolina that people around the nation can get behind. Um, I am neither. I'm a fan of neither. I'm a Syracuse fan. Um, shout out Jim Boeheim. And um, I hope we beat both of them this year. But watching Zion, I turn on that game. Ten seconds later, his shoe blows up. He's done. Um, and I think at that point, everybody knew like Duke was going to lose because Carolina had a pretty talented team that year. Um, oh, my goodness, I don't even want to talk about Carolina this year. I feel like our varsity team could have beat them. I mean, they were that <laughs> bad. Um, they were the worst team I've, I've seen in years coming from that. Yeah, state,
1: state still found a way to lose two times, but yes.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a State problem. Um, yeah, but, and then Josh
1: uh, and then Josh Hall breaks my heart for next year, so I don't want to talk about it
0: right now. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> um, but then, you know, Roy, man, has one down year. And then this next upcoming season, bringing in five, five stars. Um, Right. It should be another great one. Um, Duke was disappointing to me this year as well. I have many arguments with the players. Cassius Stanley is not good. No one can convince me otherwise. Matthew Hurt, not good. Um, Wendell Moore, not good. Uh, Vernon Carey is the truth. I'll give him that. And uh, Tyus Jones' brother, he's good too, but. Um, I'm hoping to see a a lot better rivalry this year um, because I think I think everybody needs that, especially uh, if hopefully college basketball is able to come back. I think that'll be huge for the people. All right. So to recap, we got Alabama, Auburn, college football, Duke, Carolina, college basketball. That is my favorite to win this whole thing. Let's go to the NHL. Um, I don't know a lot about hockey. I know a little bit. So you're going to have to talk primarily on this one. And I'll probably just agree with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, I could go many areas with here. I mean, you got to go up to Canada. I think um, the the Oilers and the Maple Leafs is a big one up there. Uh, they got some history. The Rangers and the Islanders there in New York is a big one with that history. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I'll make this a little bit personal uh, to give my little personal take here. And especially by local listening um, as a Carolina Hurricanes fan and big fan, there is one team that I will say that I loathe. I, I, cannot, I cannot stand them. And their best player, Alexander Ovechkin, I hate even more. And uh, that is the Washington Capitals. Um, I went to the playoff series with them, uh, against them last year. I went to actually two games there at, at PNC. And um, I'm going to be honest, I, I cannot stand them as a team. I cannot stand them as an organization. I cannot stand Alexander Ovechkin. Their fans are incredible, annoying and an arrogance about them. Like They come North Carolina, which is basically like two states below them. They're like, oh, y'all can't play hockey in the South. It's like, dude, you you do understand, like, Virginia was considered to be the South until like four years ago. You're coming from D.C., which is only one state above that. So don't act like you're all, I mean, come on. You know, and, and you kind of go in that argument, you know, you know, North Carolina doesn't know how to deal with hockey. I mean, just the, the pure arrogance of it all. It's just disgusting and nauseating, and I'm like, just get out of here. And of course, when we beat them last year at their place in game seven, brought them again with the tip in, and I was standing in my living room, and my wife's asleep, and um, I literally had to take a pillow, put it over my mouth. I was screaming, ran outside. I mean, that, that's how much I hate the Washington Capitals. So, to be fair, yes, you can go with one of the previous ones I mentioned. I'm sure there are many others. Um, hockey is a, very, uh, is, a, is a changing sport as in robbers a lot of times. Depend on who's playing well, who's not. But locally here, I think if you poll people, the two teams that people hate the most, if you're a Hurricanes fan locally um, here in North Carolina, I think Capitals gotta be up there, and also the Boston Bruins. But for me personally, I hate the Capitals, and I'm sorry if that offends somebody. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not sorry at all. Um, you pull for a team that I despise, so I have no, I have no apologies to you. And the last thing you, and honestly, and again, the last thing you can remember from last year is Brock McGinn's tip in that y'all couldn't beat the boys from North Carolina. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, my friend's from d c and I'm a redskin fan, so I don't hate all d c teams but I hate that one for some reason so that's that's one for me, but again, you can go with the other two that I mentioned. I think those are more realistic, but for me personally and my my personal agenda has to come out at some point in this, so that's where it's coming out for me
0: I like it let's go to the m l b baseball um my favorite rivalry uh and the biggest one that I believe is
1: Yankees Red Sox no doubt no doubt uh growing up a Yankees fan
0: um I'm not really one anymore I feel like that's cheating but growing up a Yankees fan you know I'm six seven years old I'm uh, thinking all right who should I root for in baseball the Yankees win a lot as a six-year-old that's all I needed to see um and so that was my squad you know what I'm saying you got the captain who's my guy um in the early years you got Sheffield um you got giambi i mean you got rivera it's just legends walking the earth uh, right i love the 2003 series against the red Sox when they won 4-3 um and i believe that's uh no i'm not gonna say i don't know off the top of my head but 2003 i was so happy i was so excited i hate the red Sox with everything in me i still hate them truthfully i hate all of boston sports um I don't care if anyone feels like is mad at me about that. Boston sports annoying, um, arrogant. Uh, I can't stand it. Um, but watching the Yankees win that I was so happy. And then the next year, obviously Boston breaks the curse and beats the Yankees along the way, uh, which is really discouraging. Um, Boston obviously has been a uh, pretty better, uh, up until the last two years, I believe. Um, the Yankees are on a resurgence. Thank you, Aaron Judge, Jim um, Carlos Stanton. We're back. No salary cap. Baseball is the best. Uh, and so, obviously, um, Yankees-Red Sox, you got the curse of the Bambino. So many different ways um, yeah. to talk about this, but I'm taking Yankees-Red Sox. What do you think?
1: And I would agree with that. And um, even you look at with this, with, this, with this series here and the robber between it, over 2,200 uh, meetings, and the Yankees are up 200 in that series. Um, I think the, the, the region of this makes it a big deal as well. And in 2008, um, we even saw some violence from the series. Uh, there is an arrest and actually a second-degree murder charge uh, for fans arguing over which team um, was better than the other. So uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty big. Uh, and also 2010, there was a stabbing um, where a guy drove in with New York Yankee plates into Boston, heckling some fans apparently, and they beat him up. Um, so, uh, if you want to uh, make a case for a great rivalry and there's violence, I mean, that tells you how ingrained it is, um, up there in the Northeast between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, again, love Derek Jeter, uh, gl- love watching him grow up. The number two, um, means something to me in that way. Um, love Jeter, the captain, just phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Um, I might mention it, cried, cried my eyes out when he got his game winning base hit there to, to walk off, um, in his career into the sunset there. Uh, but you mentioned some incredible players that were with, with both these teams. Um, yeah, and, uh, I mean, just incredible, incredible incredible rivalry, um, an incredible uh, visual there at Fenway Park every time they play in Boston. Um, so great background, great culture around the cities. Uh, the only other one I could even think of that is a big rivalry, I think especially out west, especially in California, the Giants and the Dodgers. Um, and not just because I'm a Dodger fan, but realistically, you, you cannot be a Dodger fan and, and not hate the Giants like that is just part of who you are um I, I I hate the Giants always will and uh one of my good friends Scott Medlin is a huge Giants fan and he knows uh that I I hate the Giants and it's, it's just an understanding um and of course they've had Giants had a great uh, some great postseason runs um there for a while they've really really struggled as late. the Dodgers kind of taken over the NL West I'm still waiting for that 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 World Series championship that has evaded them consistently. And um, I was hoping for this year. And, of course, it's the year we're going to have, you know, a worldwide pandemic hit that hasn't happened since 1918, of course. So, you know how that goes. Uh, but, anyways, th- those are the two. But I- I'll be honest. I mean, it's the Yankees, Red Sox. Yeah,
0: I agree, man. I totally agree. All right, let's go to the NBA. Uh, to me, there's only one in this as well. Lakers-Celtics.
1: Agreed. I won't even Lakers- argue that. <laughs>
0: Um, The NBA has such a rich history, obviously, um, and and there are other rivalries as well, Um, but to me, it's got to be Lakers-Celtics, and and not just because I'm a Lakers fan, um, which I am, Lake show forever, there's no question about that, Um, but the Celtics have been a thorn in our side since day one. Um, This is an incredible stat. the Lakers and Celtics have accounted for 33 of the 72 championships in NBA history. Wow. 33 of 72. That's insane, bro. Lakers have 16. The Celtics have 17. Um, Lakers are going to tie that up this year. Obviously everybody knows that. And, you know, growing up a Lakers fan early on, I didn't really get to experience Lakers Celtics um, in the way that I did Um, in 2008. And in 2010, Um, because growing up, I grew up with the the three Pete Lakers, Shaq and Kobe. Um, And then obviously that just horrific drought from 04 to 08, um, where Kobe was just taking, you know, 200 shots a game. And I loved that, but I hated that we lost in the first round all the time. Um, But then, you know, we go to the finals um, in 08, lose to the Celtics. Uh, KG, anything is possible. Um, and that one of my best friends during that time, John, uh, he was a Celtics fan. And so every time we were playing 2k, there's no doubt what we're doing. It's Lakers Celtics. Um, and I could never, ever, no matter what I was doing, pick the Celtics every year in 2k, I would play with every single team, try to get a win with every single team, except the Celtics, because that's (laughs) how much I hate them. Um, and I can't stand them. I, again, Boston sports don't get me started. Um, It's it's a cult. Um, But the Lakers, um, obviously this year we have LeBron, uh, AD. And uh, I think we're going to win the title when the season comes back, July 31st. Um, I think we have too much uh, experience with LeBron. I think we have too much talent. We have a great core. Uh, We're the first seed in the West, obviously. Um, No disrespect to the Celtics. They have a good team as well. They're just not there yet. They're still young. So the overall um, series, um, Celtics lead 204 to 162. That's actually pretty significant. Uh, and even in the postseason, they, they're up 43-31. Now, I'm not going to lie, Kyler, the Celtics won every time in the 50s and 60s. Correct. Um, but to me, and, and tell me how you feel about this. This is a little bit of a sidetrack. I feel like I could average a hundred points in the sixties, so I don't know. I mean, I know it's real, but no one can convince me. Bob Cousy is you know this amazing legend. Um, Bill Russell obviously was a big part of that. Uh, I, I, I some I sometimes want to discount the sixties. I know as a historian, I can't, but to me, those aren't all the same. Um, and then the Lakers um, took two in the eighties. Um, the Celtics took one in the eighties and the Lakers and Celtics have split in the 2000s. So, um, the Lakers obviously have not had as much success against the Celtics in the post season, clearly. Um, but I think that's really going to change. LeBron is, is changing the culture in LA, um, helping us come back to champions, come back to be champions. Um, and I'll, i I will say this, the Celtics in about two years, they're going to be real good. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: Jason Tatum is an emerging star. I really like Jalen Brown. Um, They just got to keep those two and kind of move the rest of the guys around him. Gordon Hayward. I mean, dude, since he, when I broke when I saw him break his ankle, I was so like rattled. Um, And he literally has not been very good since. Like he's not been good since I'm trying to be nice. I shouldn't be. He's not been good at all. Right. Um, So we again, 120 some mil. Um, But I think once they get rid of his contract and add another uh, all star level player, they're going to be really good. Uh, I don't know where the Lakers will be at that point. Hopefully, AD is still there. But yeah, I think it's Lakers Celtics, man. Um, and even now, when the Lakers and Celtics play, I think we're kind of starting to get back to it. Um, the NBA is not really filled with rivalries. You know what I'm saying?
1: Correct. Correct.
0: It's just, it's just turned away from that in the last 10 years. And. Depending on who you ask, it's good or bad. Um, I see both sides. I do like the chippiness of a rivalry. I'm not gonna lie, um, but I do also understand LeBron has literally changed the culture of the NBA.
1: Uh, yeah, so. yeah. Let me let me throw this out here. You know, um, I will say that with the way the NBA playoffs work, and because it gets so physical, I, I will say that the playoffs kind of bring that rivalry feel, even though it may not actually be there. If that makes sense. Um, so you still get that feel of a rivalry, even though it may not really be a rivalry, but because of the way playoff basketball is and how physical and how I mean, people even say dirty it is. I mean, at the NBA, it, it's and not dirty about that just it's just it's just physical. That that yeah. chip on your shoulder type play. And I think it yields itself to that rivalry atmosphere among fans for at least seven games or however long it takes for the series to end, right. uh, whether it be three, four, whatever. Um, so, and I think that does bring. Um, the the lack of robbery in the league right now, um, I think it kind of makes up for a little bit with their playoff culture because it, it's just so good. It always is.
0: That's a great point. That's a great point. And, um, you know, for those who have been watching the NBA, got into it in the last three to five years, um, the Cavaliers and the Warriors, although those were great series, the Cavs got destroyed in all of them but one uh, pretty much. So that cannot be labeled. <laughs> As a rivalry, I don't want to hear it. Um, all you Golden State bandwagoners, get out my face!
1: Right. Like you said, like you said, there were five years ago, right? You know, this kid, yeah. this kid from this kid from uh, Davidson shows up. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Warriors fan. It's like, man, you even know they existed? <laughs> like, don't don't even go there, man. You know, you ask him where Steph Curry play college basketball. Oh, I have no idea. I just know he can shoot. You know, uh, anyways, yeah. You yeah,
0: can have a whole different pod on bandwagoners oh, I'm sure about that. I mean, we're yeah. just. You know, next time
1: we're just going to light up bandwagoners yeah it's Look like my favorite bandwagoner. My, listen. yeah my my favorite people are those that are like hey man i'm a i'm a newland patriots fan a golden state warrior fan a duke basketball fan <laughs> and an alabama football fan it's like how on earth do you pick just it happened to be the four ring you know, champs you know okay you know good for you you must have no struggles in life right when it comes to sports yeah, but you also, when they win something, it's not real to y'all. And uh, we know that. And it, it's sad for you that you don't get to enjoy a real championship maybe. I'd rather go my whole life without a championship and be loyal than uh, move from team to team and experience 20. I'm just being honest.
0: Yeah, facts, bro. Facts. Um, and part of that, again, regionality, where you're born into. Yeah. Um, you, know, you were born into state. I was born into a Lakers family. Mm-hmm. Uh, posters of Kobe, you know, before I, I even really knew who he was. Um So I totally get that. All right, let's move to the NFL. Um, And the NFL, man, so many – the rivalries are so regional. um, Correct. they should be. So it's a little difficult maybe to pinpoint one over the other, but let's just point out a couple that we think um, are the top tier.
1: Yeah, um, to me I'm going to kind of do a – it's more of a general kind of rivalry situation. I think it's always evolving and it's ever-changing. And, again, a little more personal for me, so I can bring that into the table – um, to me, the NFC East it is just full of a rich history of rivalries and hatred for the others. Um, so that's where I'm going to kind of go with um, you. Anytime you bring Philly into an equation, you automatically have hatred. Um, you also have America's team, or if you want to put America's most hated, most loved, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, then you have the Redskins, who... Um, one of the most dysfunctional franchises uh, probably not this is coming from a Redskins fan, but we're, we're very dysfunctional. I think we're got, I think we're headed in a, in a good direction, but um, we have been dysfunctional for basically my entire life and um, we just hate everybody. And then we turn on our own fan fan. We turn on our own fans. We turn on our own owners. We turn on our players. Um, we bring in veterans from other NFC East teams to fix our problems when they're done with them. Uh, so you had that. And then you had the New York giants who, you know, outside of David Tyree's catch, um, you know, it's like, how do you have Eli Manning as your quarterback for this long and still be somewhat successful? You know, <laughs> but there, there's a there's a very strong hatred between those four. Um, and um, I have several fa- several friends who are who are Cowboys fans. I have several friends who are Eagles fans and even Giants fans, and um, we just don't like each other. Uh, and that's okay, and I think it keeps it healthy. Um, the NFC East, though, as a division, has been. Uh, very weak of the last last three or four years now, uh, but we beat up on each other in, in that division. Um, and again, anytime you bring Philly into an equation, they're they're a crazy sports city. Uh, and when they won the Super Bowl, I mean, <laughs> it was it was it was chaos in that city, man. And that's just how they are. Philly fans are their own breed. More power to them. But the NFC East is my answer. I'm Not saying it's the best, but I, I think that division, as in just a rich history of great players. Um, great games, great rivalries, a very strong hatred for all three that are in the same division. Um, If you're a Cowboys fan, you hate the Redskins, you hate the Eagles, and you hate the Giants. And if you're a Redskins fan, you hate the Giants, you hate the Eagles, you hate the Cowboys, and vice versa for every single team. Um, And there's some other guns out there, don't get me wrong, but for me, that division is full of hatred, no doubt, for the others. Yeah, and
0: and I feel like we could even probably, if we really wanted to, break it down into divisions because right. like each division is its own rivalry. That's a great point mm-hmm. by you. Um for me as a Vikings fan, I can't stand the Packers. Um, I can I don't believe in the Bears. Um the Lions are, you know, everybody's little brother. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. Growing up on the West Coast in Seattle, everybody in Seattle hates San Francisco. Uh they hate the Rams. And they don't care about the Cardinals. You know, like that's... Right, right. That is what it is. Um, I'm sure, you know, the same thing with um, the Ravens and the Steelers. You know, they can't stand each other. No one cares about the Bengals. Uh, And I don't remember the fourth team in that division. Uh, The Browns. Oh, Lord. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But you're right. That that could definitely be broken down by division. I think the NFC um, East... Because they are, uh, because those teams can, are always so close, you know, it always seems like one never really pulls away. And obviously they do. I I understand that Uh, the Cowboys had a 13 and three season three years ago. I I get that. But it always feels like they're close this year. It came down to the wire and the Eagles got in, you know, and I I kind of expect the same thing next year um, because I cannot believe in the Cowboys. Sorry, everybody. Um, The Cowboys are not real. Um, I like Dak, I like Zeke I like Amari um, They I just, they have not been able to put it together And I cannot believe in them until they do um, And so I think honestly I'm going to have to agree with you on that one um, Because it's always so It's always so close um, And you can almost uh, It sounds uh, silly But you can almost feel the hate sometimes between those games I think especially when I watch Dallas and Philly um, yes. it's Week 16 or 17 The winner goes to the playoffs you can almost feel the hate in that. But um, that's something, right. I actually, I mean, as a sports
1: fan, you got to enjoy it. Yeah, and absolutely. I think, um, as you mentioned, you know, the NFC East is so rich, and, again, it's its history. And there is a the change in the guard does occur in that division pretty frequently. Um, you also have some really big personalities as owners in that division. Um, Jerry Jones and Daniel Snyder are two really big, outspoken owners that two things about both of them. Number one, they don't care what anybody thinks, And then number two, they're not afraid to spend money. Um, and in order to keep a healthy rivalry, you got to be able to have the players, you know, that, that, that come in and create the excitement, whether they follow through or not, at least there's some excitement there. Um, but, you know, every year, if you ask the people in that division, the fans, how you're going to do, um, at least half the teams in that, at least two of the four are like, dude, we're going to Super Bowl. And they may not be the closest thing to it, but in their minds, they just believe so much. And even though then through pain and suffering of years and years of falling short, they believe it every year. And um, it, it's a, it's just a man. They they just beat up on. We just beat up on each other the whole entire year. Um, but I mean, you know, I think like you mentioned, every division's like that, right? Um, when I when I talk to Panthers fans, man, they hate the Saints and they hate the Bucks. I mean, and they hate the Falcons. So it's very similar. I just don't think that division has the history that the East has. And maybe one day, maybe one day, you know, who knows? Ten years from now. Maybe we're saying that about a different division. I'm sure if you're, you know, again, where you're regionally located matters a lot who you pull for, um, which I think, again, is one of the reasons why the NFL is so successful Uh, because, you know, you get two games with those division opponents and you just grow a hatred for them uh, year in and year out, and it continues year in and year out. You're always either chasing somebody or you're being chased. So,
0: All right. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be getting to our next subject. All right, welcome back to Coach and KDOT. Um, Kyler, why don't you introduce the next segment?
1: Yeah, um, just with the different things going on, I wanted to kind of throw out um, with COVID and just with everything going on in the world, um, athletes and sports in general and its relationship to a, a nation's culture or a region's culture and how much sports play just a role in that and athletes play a role in that. Uh, is, I know it's a very general topic, um, but I think there's a there's a ton there that can be discussed. I know we won't take obviously all the time we could because that'd be a ton, uh, really just a long conversation. Yeah. But I think I think there's a lot that can be said that um, just reminiscing of things and even talk about maybe locally what it was like. Um, and we we miss it now. And I've always heard the statement, you know, uh, when something's not there, um, you definitely appreciate it more. Right. Um, and I think we can definitely say that through this terrible uh, pandemic that has has hit our country and. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely been a very interesting, uh, several months here in this nation. And then of course, some recent developments as well. Um, but just kind of talk about that and, uh, maybe hit some different areas. And I really love to see some people, you know, comment about what sports mean to them, um, personally, you know, cause sports means something different to all of us. And I think that's really what brings us together in sports is the fact there's that common goal, that common purpose. And in a stadium, you know, when I when I go to NC State football games on on Saturdays and 60,000 people in a stadium and and uh, I don't ask any questions about, you know, what's your political affiliation or what do you think about this or that? I mean, it's just we don't we are wearing red and white and we're pulling for those guys on the field. And for those, you know, for those four quarters, plus if we go into overtime, it it doesn't matter. You know, we're we're, I'm high fiving people. I barely know, Uh, you know, I'm celebrating with people that I don't know why because there's a unifying cause and that cause in that situation is sports. And I think that can be said in many levels, um, but just kind of hitting different topics about that.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, man. And um, <clears throat> I think, you know, it's athletes are automatically looked at as leaders, um, whether you want to be or not. I know Chuck said a while ago, I'm not a role model, um, whether you want to be or not, you are looked at as a leader. Um, and so, you know, looking at the social unrest that's been happening, and often seeing the people who are, are looked to to speak out first are the athletes. Correct. You know, incredible about LeBron is that he has literally spoken so many times. Now, when something happens many times people will base their opinion off of and look to first, what did LeBron say,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and just understanding the nature of that platform that these athletes are given because we look up to them. We value them. We, and now it's not just we value you in my fantasy league or I value you, um, watching you every night on my favorite team. Now it's evolved into, we value your opinion. And I think, um, that's an incredible thing. Um, I think depending on, you know, <laughs> what they say, but, um, 30, 40 years ago, that was not the case. And so we've really seen a, a development of athletes role in culture getting bigger, um, their influence getting larger and them having a voice is not just uh, it's not just almost their opinion anymore they have to calculate what they're saying because they know so many people are going to look to it and and sometimes follow it blindly but also scrutinize it heavily yeah and so you have that double-edged sword there how you balance that and I I think LeBron um, regardless of how you feel about him not that he's perfect, not that he always says the right thing, but I think more often than not, probably 90% of the instances I can think of and that if you go back and re- on record and look at, he has not only said the right thing, he has done the right thing, and he's backed it up with more action on top of that. And I think he's been a really good role model to a lot of athletes coming up.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I I think the big reason why we've seen athletes and their opinions emerge in such a – a big way, I think, is social media, Absolutely. Um, and that has been an absolute game changer in so many ways in our in our society and culture. But sports at, uh, athletes and the differing sports now have a platform they can get on and be able to reach millions within seconds, and uh, and that that's huge. Now, I think that also has sometimes been a bad thing for athletes when um, sure. they said something that they shouldn't have, and then it's already out to millions of people are screenshot uh, screen shooting it, and then boom. It's like now out there for everybody and you can't ever get rid of it. Um, And the danger of social media, but also the pros of social media, which I think when used in the right way can heavily outweigh the cons. And uh, no doubt athletes have a voice. Um, I'm thinking, you know, currently of the the current situations here and the the countless number of athletes who have not only spoken out, um, but donated significant amount of resources um, to different causes. Um, to try to uh, help ease some some tensions and then beyond that during COVID where you have athletes donating uh, things to boys and girls clubs into hospitals and and things like that and that's what athletes are doing and um, you know and I think when hurricane uh, the hurricane hit down in Houston and JJ Watt I mean just rises to the occasion and I mean him and his wife donating countless hours resources and money and I, I know the thought by some and it's this right here well they have so much money what's 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 one million, two million to them okay well hold up a second Let, let's not even go down that conversation um they're still doing a part you know they're still doing a part they don't have to do that just because someone makes this x amount of money on a contract doesn't mean that we should minimize uh the amount of charity they're giving they're still doing their part um and uh I, I am grateful for athletes that, that do, and a lot of these people do things behind the scenes. Um, and I think about, um, sadly, we, have, we found out about the story you know, after Kobe's death, about the situation where Kobe goes into a hospital and tells you know, his, his uh, assistant there, hey, look, I don't want the media coming in. I don't want the media to know about this. And they're looking at a family and saying, hey, look, I'll take care of the hospital bills if I need to. And, of course, you don't hear about that until, sadly, someone um, passes away. Uh, but you hear about that athlete was using his platform to try to help others, um, and not every athlete is perfect. And by the way, none of us are. So we are going to make mistakes. We are going to say stupid stuff. Um, that that's 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 who we are as, as a person. Um, but I will say their their lasting impact in culture um, it transcends generations. Um, I think. Well, we are we look, we're still talking about Jordan. Um, look, we're still talking about you know Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. I mean, 42 is retired. Therefore, that number 42 carries such a significance. Um, and I honestly believe that you can make a case that to, especially to a young person and a kid growing up, there may not be someone more impactful. And where this is positive and negative, I think we have to look at the reality of the situation. There may not be someone more impactful than an athlete. Um, I mean, even growing up, I, I had you know different role models in my life. But I definitely had some athletes that that I looked at and I watched and I tried to emulate them. I mean, how many times have we, you know, taken that that piece of trash and faded back and said Kobe? Yeah. I mean, just that itself has blown itself into our culture. Um, the wearing of the jerseys, the 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 wearing it proudly, the sitting there and arguing endlessly that you're really not going to accomplish anything, but you're still going to argue endlessly to to back that athlete that you believe has been you know, mistreated or there's been a, you know, a statement made that you just don't agree with by some commentator, like, you're, no way, man, what are you talking about? This guy is the real deal. I mean, I mean, some of us wouldn't even do that for our own friends. I mean, let's just be real, right? Uh, but we'll do it for an athlete. And I think that just shows how incredibly impactful they are in society. And again, let's just be honest, it's going to continue to grow. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get stronger influence. And uh, we just have to hope that the athletes that have been given uh, the gifts to play the different um, sports, they continue to use their voice um, in a positive way and continue con- to use their voice in, um, in respectful ways. Um, but sports itself and our culture is incredible. I mean, I think of, you know, something like uh, the Olympics, um, you know, where United States and they wear those, those, those stars and stripes and they're out there and they're competing, you know, for our home country. You know, and no matter if you, that's when I guess sports rivalry stop. Whether you're a Yankees or Red Sox fan, you, know, you were pulling for Michael Phelps. Um, you know when you were, whether you were a, a UNC or Duke fan, you, know, you were pulling for you know the USA women's gymnastics team to beat to beat you know beat China in the in the uh, in the in the team uh, competition. I mean, you know whether watching even the World Baseball Classic or even the World Cup, and um, it's such a huge part of who we are as a world and even as a country. Uh, so, and I think we recognize that even more now with COVID, uh, taking away that, uh, from us. And, uh, I mean, man, it's, it's such a huge part of who we are and I love it. And I, of course I love, it. I'm doing a podcast. I'm sitting here talking about it. Um, but I mean, again, I mean, growing up, I mean, I'm sure you had jerseys of, of athletes and you treated them with the utmost respect. I mean, you do not want anything bad happening to that Jersey. and. Um, I was the same way, and and most kids are, and they still even are today. They'll, they have to get a certain type of shoes from this athlete. Uh, they they want to emulate even the way they shoot, according to this athlete, in basketball. And Sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's like, no, let, let's not do that. Uh, but, you know, it, it's still a huge part of that. Um, and I, and athletes, have, again, I believe this is another thing as well with social media, but I've noticed a lot, athletes have actually started to um, write books. Um, and I know that that's not everybody's a reader, and I get that. Um, but I think that widens um, their influence uh, because you get a more in-depth view of who they are. Um, and I think that's awesome. I'm working on a book right now from Clayton Kershaw, phenomenal book. I'm really enjoying it. I'm a huge Kershaw fan. So able to read that and get even more inside his life and see how did he get to that point? Also seeing their work ethic to where they got, where they are. I remember ESPN did a special called Kobe doing work. And uh, I mean, just a huge part uh, the whole hour was how did Kobe Bryant work out? You know, and and that's that's something really cool, man. And I and I get it, you know, man. I know you mentioned this because I don't really want to get into it, but like politics, everybody wants to focus on politicians, 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 and what they say, and what they do. I think there's a valid point out there that athletes have a very significant voice. Not say so they have more, not say so they have the same amount of power, but man, they have a very similar following um, across yeah. the board.
0: I agree. I totally agree, and you're right, man. Sports sports can help bring healing. Uh, yes. And- And it is one of the few things in life that can bring people who come from different circumstances, different classes, um, and bring them together for a common cause. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is why so many people love sports. That is why so many people watch sports. Uh, That is why so many people are involved in sports. Because it is that one thing that no matter who you are, where you're from, what you have, what you don't have everybody has the same opportunity to cheer for that team, to to play on those, those teams, play with other people. And so um, sports brings people together, man. And uh, I, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful we're starting to get back into it um, and have some plans and see some plans of professional sports league um, that are going to continue and try to bring back seasons or start seasons um, because I think that will not only boost morale, but it'll it'll help us kind of feel a level of normalcy. Um, and then we'll get, we'll get into that next segment. Um, that was just a quick preview. All right. Welcome back to coach and KDOT. Uh, this is our final segment. Um, and Tyler, I just wanted to let you introduce the last one, then tell us what we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah. We're just going to talk about mainly um, COVID and really the future of sports dealing with this. And the outlook of of, of COVID-19 and then how it will affect maybe in-stadium spectators. uh, At what point could that return? What are some things that could happen with that? Uh, Again, there's been a lot of talk about this. I'm not looking into really getting scientific about it. Um, While I've read as many many articles as everybody else has. But just talking about how it affects sports. And then looking forward to the future of how we can uh, maybe, again, get back to that uh, somewhat form of normalcy.
0: So um, let's just start with maybe how it's uh, affected Um, sports in general. Obviously, we can get into each sport. um, But how, how do you think it's affected sports in general as far as now that we're trying to come back? What are some changes you think may never come back or will take
1: years to get back to what we're used to? Well, I think the big thing, honestly, for people is going to be feeling safe to be in that kind of venue again. Um, I think we have to realize this cannot continue on forever. Right. Um, and again, I, I mentioned I'm not going to get too scientific here, but the reality is, is you're not going to be able to stop a virus. Okay. The only way you ever stop a virus is you can try to contain it, or we may get a vaccine or a therapeutic that works. If you were to get it, it limits the symptoms. A vaccine, of course, hopefully limits the symptoms severely or or it gives you antibodies to fight it. Um or the, the other reality is is a herd immunity. And uh, hopefully once you get it, you don't get it again kind of thing because it doesn't mutate as a virus. So basically what I'm saying is, how is this going to affect in the future? I, I think we're into what, month four kind of now and, and into a pandemic here of COVID-19. And I don't know if we know the exact answer of how it's going to look in the future uh, because I don't know what's going to happen first. Um, And I think a lot of it, again, depends on will people feel safe going into that type of venue again, Um, indoors, being close proximity, um, you know, will people be giving each other high fives again, Uh, will you ever shake hands again, Um, all those kind of things. I I don't know. I think it depends a lot on really what happens first. Does the vaccine come out, you know, around uh, October, November, December as being reported and can they get a mass inoculation? Is it effective? Do we develop a therapeutic to help it? Does that get people back out there? Um, I also know that looking at just pure statistics, it definitely affects older people more. So is that going to yield to them saying, come at your own risk? I, I don't really know. Um, but taking sports into where there's no spectators, um, sports could not run uh, like this forever. Um, the amount of money they get from in-person ticket sales is astronomical. So, and I understand, oh, TV deals. Okay. Again, you can't just solve that by dumping more money into a TV deal. That would take a lot of restructuring. Um, and I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is at some point, we will return to stadiums. Um, I just don't know, uh, when that will be. Um, I know the NFL has talked about it a little bit, um, maybe doing at this point, not as many people in the state, maybe not jam packed until we find uh, a resolution to, to this pandemic. Um, it's it's no doubt frustrating for many people who want to be in the in those in those uh, in those stadiums and things, um, but this is real, and I, I think we know that. I think everybody should hopefully know that. Um, if not, I I, I'm, I mean, you know, help me out a little bit here and let's look at the numbers of it. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know how it's completely affected yet. Um, but I think once we know what happens first, that's going to give us a much clearer picture of the future of sports with COVID nineteen. So I think that's where I am on, on that and what will change. Um, I, I do believe I do. And this, and I mean, I'm just an eternal optimist and I'm usually viewed that way. Um, but if the question is if someone were to say, Hey, do you think we'll ever get back to normal? Okay. Well, first of all, let's define normal. That's a good start. Um, and I think it's a very difficult thing to really define because, because normal is different to different people. Right. So I would say, will we get back to normal to a degree? Yes. It will be a new normalcy. But it's not going to be so weird that it's like, oh, man, this is a complete change. I think yeah. we'll get there. It's just going to take some time and some patience. And that's one thing that America is not good at, and it's patience. So, uh, you know, that's where we're at right now as a society. So I think in the way of sports, as in our interaction with a game, I think it really time will tell as we see what happens first.
0: Yeah. And one thing I'm really interested in is seeing how each sport will play off the sport before it in – regulating and tightening their rules, loosening. Because uh, from, from what I've seen, each sport is kind of waiting until another one says something so then they can say something. Um, and so this kind of uh, not race, but uh, each one uh, preferring the other, if you will, uh, because they don't want to say the wrong thing and then get ridiculed. Um, NBA doesn't want to say the wrong thing. And then baseball doesn't want to say the wrong thing and football, they don't care. Um, and so I think that is an interesting aspect of it. And then obviously each sport, um, has a different level of contact to it. So football, you know, with the pads and everything, are they going to have to do less or or more? Basketball is probably gonna have to do the most because that's just people hitting, like running into each other all the time. Um, baseball what are their regulations going to be are they going to have to spray down their bats like it's so many and spray down the, the baseballs as well like how many how many rules and stipulations can we have before you know it, it, is this worth it is is this ridiculous um, and again like you said it's real I'm not I'm not trying to say it isn't um, I, I am very serious about COVID um, and I think I've proved that with my actions but when when is too much I think is going to be a question that is asked and when is too little trying to find that, that medium spot where, all right, this isn't ridiculous, but also we're able to see the product. Um, and then also, like you said, fans getting into stadiums and arenas, um, are we going to have to sit every other chair, um, every other spot, uh, Are they going to only allow a certain number of rows to be filled in sections? Like, I guess the, the, the hard part for me to project is that first step. I think once we get the ball rolling, we'll be able to hopefully understand a little bit more. And like you said, the vaccines and all that, but that first step, what's that going to be? And then from there, I think it'll be easier to understand how we move forward. But I, I, I think each, individual organization is kind of waiting for the other to take that first step, uh, to mess up first, if you will, so that they take the heat and not the next one. I think that's an interesting part of it as well.
1: Right. And also I think the word I'm going to use here is just time. Um, We've learned a lot about this virus in the time that we have spent dealing with it already. And when we project in the future, I think we're going to know more and more about it. Um, I mean, again, just recently, you know, going into it, in the middle of this thing, it was reported made now it, it's on, it's on surface. It's highly transmitted on surface. And then CC comes back later. Okay. It's actually not as highly transmitted on surfaces. So we're learning more and more about this as we go through this process, the, the doctors and people are doing the research and they're figuring out, okay, how does this virus actually respond in the United States? How can we deal with it the best way? So as time moves forward and we learn how to deal with this, I think that first step will be easier to take as we know more. But sadly, there isn't really a way to speed up time. You have to go day by day. The grueling, you know, for sports fan agonizing frustration of when, when, when we can get back to normal. There's not an easy answer because the answer takes time. So um, that's, that's frustrating as a sports fan because we want it back. Again, it's part of our life. Yeah. But then you, again, you have to be real of realizing this is a massive problem in this country. It's not going to just go away. It's not just going to magically disappear. Realistically, there's probably going to be a second wave around November, December, or early. we really even don't know that. I, I, there's just so much unknown. And um, that's what kind of hits me sometimes is kind of, um, I don't want to say funny, because it's not funny, but kind of like, really, you know, when someone says, I'm an expert in this field, and it's like, okay, I understand what that means. But when we're talking about something that has such an unknown scope, how much of an expert can you really be? Um, You can only be an expert on the present because projections have have misled. And I don't think on purpose, but the experts are dealing with a field that's so unknown. And I think as we go forward, we'll know more and more about COVID-19 and hopefully be able to combat it in a very effective way. We have gotten better. And I'm thankful for that Um, and to save lives. Uh, but with sports, we have to be—we have to realize um, that that there's something bigger here at stake, and just give them time, and we will figure out a way to uh, somewhat get back to a new rate of normalcy. Um, but when you're talking about, you know, spraying down bats and, and and doing all this kind of stuff, I saw some of the regulations for the MLB. You know, like they can't share, you know, sunflower seeds, no high fiving. I mean, that that kind of stuff does take away from the sport, and also instinct kicks in, right? Um, it's kind of hard just to take that away. What are you going to do? Find somebody? for giving each other? An high five? Like, come on, uh, that's not going to that's not going to go over well already. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of regulations, um, but we can't just just stop everything and, and just go hide because that that's not reality either. Uh, you know, and it, it's a it's a two edged sword. And, and again, I I honestly, uh, in a way, kind of feel bad for people that are having to make decisions in this kind of a situation. You know, it's easy to sit back and be like, "Oh man, just do this, just do that," and then it takes five seconds to find a problem with what you just said because you didn't think it through either. You know, when you said it, right? And um, this is unprecedented. Uh, There isn't a blueprint for this, and there's not going to be. Um, And it's affected the world, um, and it's affected our way of life. And we have to find a way to adapt. We have to find a way to combat it. And uh, we'll be fine. We're going to get through it. I have no doubt. We're going to we're going to get through this thing. And we're gonna find a way to combat it, and we're gonna get back to a, a new ray of normalcy. And I think again, we're gonna appreciate it even more because it was gone for this this period of time. And uh, I mean, I, I miss it, man. I miss it a lot. And uh, I've had you know the questions asked. You know, does it change? Um, will, will there be uh, uh, fever checks when you walk into a stadium arena? Um, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think fever checks is gonna become a, a new norm um, going into big venues. I can totally see that um the question's been asked what happens if you don't get the COVID-19 vaccine would you be allowed into a mass venue um and how would they track that I and mean, you're getting all kinds of crazy you know political arguments and I'm not here for any of that but I will say those are all valid questions and I could give one answer and say yep this is what's going to happen and I could turn around and give the other side of it and sound probably just as logical and I think that's where we're at right now because there's so much unknown yeah
0: good points bro and- and lastly, like just to hit off one thing you said, players are instinctual. So it's going to be hard because I'm sure all leagues are going to say no high fives. It's going to be really difficult when uh, LeBron and AD are going a pick and roll. We get an alley-oop to put us up 12 in the third quarter and, you know, LeBron and AD aren't going to high five and there's no high fives going to the bench. I know for basketball specifically, that's a part of the culture baseball. Handshakes are a part of the culture. That's, That's like what you do. That's one of the things that's just a given. So, like you said, how they're going to how they're going to attempt to regulate that uh, is going to be interesting. Um, Are players going to listen to it or are they just going to, you know, go against it? Is there going to be hand sanitizer on the bench? I'm so interested to see what happens. Uh, But those are all great points. Um, You spoke very eloquently and I really appreciate it. All right. We got the ending rant coming up and the wrap up. All right, welcome back to Coach and K Dot. Um, per the usual, Kyler has an ending rant. Um, this is my favorite part of each podcast. I listen to it at least three times. Kyler, what you got for the people today?
1: Uh, you know, I have to go, and this is, and, and I, when I go on this rant, I want everybody to realize, you know, this is, Not me minimizing the the current situation we're in with COVID, but I'm just going to be real from a sports perspective uh, that every L.A. Dodgers fan is feeling right now. Um, My heart has been broken multiple times in the past five to six years of the Dodgers either making it to the World Series or going right up to that point and losing in a heartbreaking fashion, watching my guy Clayton Kershaw just get absolutely annihilated on social media by he gave up this run. He, he can't clutch. He can't close. Y- look, y'all just better realize Clayton Kershaw will be the greatest pitcher of my generation. There's nothing you can do to stop it. He's a unanimous Hall of Famer. I will be in Cooperstown when he's elected. And whoever you pull for, whatever team you have, you guys do not have a pitcher that will ever be close to that in the longevity of career. So you guys can argue with that all day long. Uh, but Kershaw is an absolute legend. And the sooner you realize that, the more illogical you'll sound as a sports fan. Um, but – I, 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 I get so pumped because we finally go big, man. We finally go big, and we go after Mookie from, from Boston, who who really knocked us out of the World Series uh, with his big at-bats there when we faced him the previous year. And what do we do? We go get the guy. And, I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. Uh, he's a two-way player, uh, good power hitter, great speed, great defensively. Uh, I mean, just phenomenal. All-star, in my opinion, incredibly underrated. And that's even possible to say about Mookie Betts, but I still believe he's underrated. I mean, I think some people would still, for whatever reason, think Bryce Harper it, it should be above Mookie. I mean, come on now. I mean, that's ridiculous. But I think that's just a name recognition. They have Mookie Betts is a phenomenal baseball player. So what do we do, Iman? We go out and we trade uh, Jeter Downs, who is a, a very good upcoming shortstop um, to the Red Sox. Uh, we, we, we traded uh, – we, we got rid basically of a, of a couple of very good prospects, uh, getting the high-profile one, which is Jeter Downs, who I believe very easily was supposed to be the next uh, shortstop of the Dodgers. And we get Mookie. And I'm sitting here before COVID hits, and I, I remember texting my dad, like, man, Mookie to L.A. It is on. We'll win the World Series. Here we are in June, and I've not seen Mookie Betts in a Dodger uniform Swing a bat at a regular season game. And there is a legit possibility that will not happen. What do I have to do to have sports success as a Dodger fan? Even when it's the writing is, is it, and then the stars, it's there. Man, we had we the greatest lineup of all time. And you have a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic hit. And literally baseball is just ripped from me. And, and I'm like, how? H- how does this happen? But then I thought to myself, no, no, what are, you, what are you thinking? This is what happens. It was too good to be true. It was too good to be true. And, and, and realistically, what probably would happen next, and if this happens, I'm going to feel so bad, but the next step would be is I get the announcement that baseball is back, Mookie steps up to the plate in, like, his first five games, and the dude's going to, like, shag fly balls during, during warm-ups and tears his ACL and something crazy like that. That's going to be like, okay, it's just not going to happen. But that's my that's my life as a sports fan, and um, I, I don't know what I have to do anymore, man. I, I sit here and I get so excited, and then reality hits like it's, – it's sad because I can't get excited because I feel like something's going to go wrong, yeah. and, and it, it's just so frustrating because I'm like – and I'm an eternal optimist. I mean, you're talking to a guy who has been an NC State fan for his whole entire life and still believes and still follows it, I mean, passionately. I mean, every, I'm a Redskin fan. I mean, I'm a Dwayne Haskins believer. I mean, I have to be, Right. And then we get Mookie, and we have possibly two of the best outfielders in baseball Bellinger and, and Mookie Betts, and, and somehow I may never see the two play together. And that is just insanely heartbreaking. And when I'm afraid it's going to happen, I'm on. And if it happens, it's going to make it even worse. And, and if anybody's thinking where I'm going with this, they know what I'm going to say. If we don't get baseball and Mookie actually re-signs with Boston, and Boston <laughs> just takes our best shortstop prospect we've had in years. Even though I've, most people be believe it was better uh, – shortstop prospect than Corey Seager, who our current shortstop uh, is. And they just take him away from us. And all they did was just take players and we got nothing in return, but what? Heartache, nothing but heartache. And uh, I, I, I want to be so mad and so angry, but it's kind of like, I'm I'm wasting my time, man, because it's just going to happen. Now, fast forward to if we actually, if we actually get baseball and play November and the Dodgers win the world series, I'm going to come back on here I'm just gonna bash every Dodger hair that ever has been, I and mean, be like, "I told y'all, you know, Houston cheated anyways." And let me really get me started on that, man. Don't really get me started on that. That that is that is straight dirty. And if you're a Houston fan, shame on you. I don't know how you look at yourself in the mirror, man. I don't know how you look at yourself in the mirror. It doesn't even count. And uh, man, it, it it is what it is. But I hope we get baseball back. And it's always fun to um, wish you know, what, what could have been right in sports. There's so many, what could have been moments. And it just seems like in my life, I've had too many of those. I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, Josh Hall's going to the going, you know, foregoing his college eligibility and not going to play in the state. And by the way, that is completely his decision. And I am not saying that was the wrong decision by any means it's his life. He gets to choose, but I'm not glad that did break my heart too. I mean, I met the dude at IHOP, got my picture. I'm stoked. Josh Hall coming to Raleigh and I'm still going to follow the guy. I wish him all the best, but I'm like, man, this just hurts. And then I'm like, oh, guess what? And at the time, Mookie Betts come to LA. It's happening, it's happening. And then no baseball. So for those of you sports fans out there who are suffering through this pandemic like we all are saying, man, no sports. Well, at least your favorite baseball team did not trade away its best shortstop prospect in years to a team for a guy that's phenomenal that may actually never see the field. Uh, so count your blessings, even though they may be minimal right now as a sports fan, count them um because if you're a dodger fan you are sitting here very frustrated knowing what could have been that may never really come to be so that is my ending grant, and hopefully that will be dissolved soon but realistically i'm not counting on it so yeah
0: (laughs) all right kyler thank you for that bro uh thank you all for listening to coach and k dot uh subscribe rate follow us on instagram i'll put it in the bio um Support our cause, and I promise you we will be doing pods, if not weekly, bi-weekly. Obviously, uh, the summer schedule helps us out a little bit, so hopefully we'll be doing them weekly. Um, as sports begins to pick back up, that'll help our topics, obviously. But thank you again for listening to Coach and KDOT. Um, it's been a great pleasure, Kyler. I'll talk to you soon, bro.